So we were trying to record an episode about conflict and <laughs> that brought us to conflict. So we were sitting there thinking, what do we do? We got into conflict and we can't even finish this episode. So I figured the best thing that we could do is just invite people into the reality of what it really looks like. I'm Emily Goff, a human connection coach, writer, and speaker with an insatiable sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using the power of stories to teach, learn, and grow. We boldly explore relationships, connection, and the nuances and complexities of the human experience with compassion, honesty, and a sense of humor. With both solo episodes and highly curated guests sharing incredible stories, experiences, and expertise, the Room to Grow podcast takes the entire idea of growth to the next level, all while covering the uncomfortable topics many of us would like to avoid. There's always more room to grow. Let's do this. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. Emily here. And this episode is one that I did with my partner, Kelly Gardner, and it is all about conflict. And let me tell you, recording this episode was a time because you're going to hear us unpacking a conflict that we had in real time while trying to create these this episode. <laughs> So we also want to let you know that we now work with couples as a couple. So, you know, I obviously I'll do, um, I work with my private clients and run my women's groups as well. But Kelly and I have come together to work with couples. It is such a unique offering because it's really rare to see couples getting to work with other couples. Typically, it's just one person that you get to work with. And what's so unique about this is that everyone ends up feeling so supported. The connections that are created are so powerful and the work that we've been doing with the clients that we've been working with has just been un unreal. The the transformations have been so beautiful and just creating these these incredible relationships and a stronger foundation and learning how to do conflict well. <laughs> so really excited for you to listen to this one. If you want more information about how to work with us either as a couple or if you want to work with either one of us individually, make sure to check the show notes for all the information and we will dive in. So here we are um, <laughs> in a conflict about how to produce the best possible episode <laughs> around conflict. Um, <laughs> Emily's in tears <laughs> of joy and sadness. Um, Happens a lot. Yeah. Um, so welcome to the episode... <laughs> Can on you conflict. Of the camera and microphone. <laughs> in conflict. That's what I do. I take control and then I get in trouble for it. <laughs> and that's part of my my challenge is that I'm overbearing. I'm too much. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and I always need to run the show. So here I am running your show. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. It's okay. I give permission. It's fine. <laughs> and, and, and wondering how it how we got here. Hmm. Uh, so I want to I want to dub this episode Twinklegate. <laughs> it all started with twinkle lights. Yeah. <laughs> because this is it, right? This is what conflict really looks like. It's it is all of the ridiculous things that come up that stand for so much more. Mm -hmm. And we can get into the weeds around like the little things that are showing up like twinkle lights, um, for those of you who don't know. I was just going to say, we might need to define them. <laughs> yeah. Can you, can you 
Well, I don't know that you can to define the twinkle <laughs> lights, and that's part of the conflict. <laughs> so, so bear with us. We're, we're going to get to something that really is deep and meaningful here. Yes. Uh, but for those of you who are watching this, you can see that there are some beautiful twinkle lights uh, behind Emily right now. Um, and for those of you who don't know enough about Emily, you got your listeners, I'm sure I'm just going to share a little bit about Emily. Go ahead. Emily takes the greatest joy in the smallest things. And it is one of the most beautiful things about who she is. You know, um, if there are lightning bugs out, she will literally have a conniption. Oh my God, lightning bug. There's another one. There's another one. This just extreme joy that pours out of her every time she sees a dog walking down the street. Look, there's another one. Like she lights up with joy. And one of the things that she lights up with joy around is what I generally refer to as, as Christmas lights. But perhaps we'll just say lights on a string. Sure. Lights on a string yes. bring Emily um, immeasurable amounts of joy, um, and there's there are some some wounding around uh, twinkle lights as well, which which we'll get <laughs> what into. What a weird thing to have wounding around, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I know that 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 Emily loves these these twinkle lights, and she's mentioned to me how much she really wants to have them. And so as we were setting up for doing this episode. Um, I went and and put some twinkle lights up on a on, on a background so that they could be used in her shot. And Emily went through the roof. Uh, she was so excited. And ever since she's gotten back here, she's just been like, "Ooh, twinkle lights! The twinkle lights! How can I do more meetings in front of my twinkle lights?" It's been wonderful. I, I've I've been so moved by the twinkle lights. However, uh, sometimes it can be a little much. <laughs> We're walking around town looking at it and she keeps pointing at the twinkle lights. I'm like, wait, wait, is any light on a string a twinkle light? And does that mean that we get excited every single time? Because, you know, I'm not as excited and, and my rational mind needs to have some definition around what is a freaking twinkle light? Because we, do we really get excited every time that we see a light on a string, even if it's on or it's off? Simultaneously with laugh and cry through the rest of this episode. <laughs> Perfect. That is conflict. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so we had a we had a moment. We had a moment um, around a, days ago. a couple days ago mm-hmm. um, around the Twinkle Lights um, that that became the the foundation of Twinkle Gate. And and I think that this is beautiful because so many people experience conflict just like are we really arguing over Seriously. how many how many drops of soap you put in the the the, the dish detergent we have couples uh, a couple that we were coaching that kept getting into a fight every time they made macaroni mm-hmm. <laughs> and it wasn't even it wasn't even really about the macro i mean that's the thing it's never it's never about the thing that you're arguing about there's always more underneath yeah. the thing that is just the surface level thing that we attribute to it yeah yeah Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, I, I'd love you to tell tell us a little bit more about Twinkle Lights. Like, what's your connection to that? And what, is it, what does it mean for you? I just think they're pretty. <laughs> <laughs> they, they bring me joy. And I just think that, you know, if there's an opportunity to have Twinkle Lights or to appreciate Twinkle Lights, they are beautiful. And yeah. And so in, in a, a nine-year relationship I was in years ago, um, 
he he was also an electrician and i feel like that that's a relevant detail because it you know lighting electricians right like they kind of go hand in hand and he was also aware of my joy and appreciation around twinkle lights and i kept asking for twinkle lights uh for the back patio or even like in the house but like especially on the back patio and he was not having it and it was not the only time that he seemed to put effort into stamping out some of my small joys to the point where there were aspects like things around Christmas. I used to get so excited around Christmas. And over the course of years, he diminished that to a degree that I stopped getting excited about Christmas for other reasons as well. But that was a big part of it. And the twinkle lights in nine years, he just flat out would refuse. He's like, no, we're not doing it. He would not put up twinkle lights. There was an argument to be made that I could have put them up myself, like, of course, but he, he was just not having it. And it seemed, it, it felt, I don't know that this is objectively true, but my subjective truth was that it seemed to feel targeted towards diminishing my joy mm. over something small. Mm. I don't know that that was his truth, but that was, that was my experience of it. Mm-hmm. So you then made a comment in the car the other night. Yep. I pointed mm-hmm. out twinkle lights and, uh, you, you kind of, and you were, you started out like playful about it. Sure. You know, it was kind of like a playful comment. You were intending it as a joke and you were like, okay, we need to like define twinkle lights. What does this even mean? That's where it came up around the, yeah, I know. is this just lights on a string? Do you remember exactly what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. that was the day before we were having, we were walking around and I was like, okay, what is this twinkle light right. thing? Cause it's getting, <laughs> my judgment, it's getting obnoxious, right? Like if we celebrating every single, it's like, ooh, look, there's grass. You know, like, really? Are we celebrating that that grass is green? Like, can we at least be specific about what it is that we're celebrating? And underneath it, like on the surface, right? That's my, 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 my rational mind, right? I'm not gonna deny that there's some part of me like, is she seriously experiencing joy out of air? Like, I'm triggered by this. I'm triggered, I'm triggered that she's just, she literally is just experiencing joy because there's air, you know, because there's grass. And that is a beautiful quality of who you are. Thank you. And it can also be triggering to me, like, why can't I experience that much joy out of just oh, lights on a string, right? Mm. Perhaps that was part of what your, you know, your partner, you know, those reflections that come up in relationship. Wow. How can she do that? Like. I mean, there's got to be something broken with her because I don't have that experience. So it can't be me that just lacks the connection to joy. It's that she's ridiculous. Mm. Like she has to be ridiculous that she enjoys joy. She experiences this much joy. So yeah, on some level, some subconscious level, is there a part of me that wants to knock you down a peg? You know, that wants to, to pull that out underneath and say, you know, yeah, God, that's that's got to be ridiculous. Because yeah. if if that's not ridiculous, then I should be experiencing joy on that level on a regular basis, and I'm not, right? So what's what's wrong with me? Yeah. You know, underneath that, there's a part of that. On the surface, you know, what what came out uh, was something that was really was really painful. Uh, you know, I was kind of we were getting it, we were going going shopping and you know you mentioned the twinkle lights and 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 I made a comment that well now I can see why your partner never got you those lights because he certainly didn't want to hear about twinkle lights every five minutes of every single day 
which immediately when it came out, I looked at you and I was like, oh, shit, I went too far. That was not, that was not a, that comment was not okay. Um, and I immediately apologized. I saw, you did. I saw the look yes. on your face and I was like, oh, shit. And I called it out. I, I just, and not even, you know, I didn't like start tearing you apart. I just was like, ouch. Mm -hmm. Like, I was like, that hurt. Yeah. That really hurt. Yeah. yeah. And you did. You immediately apologized. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, some sometimes, you know, I, humor can be, can, can become sarcasm. And really I quickly. do that too. Like, you know, like I also, you and I are very playful mm -hmm. individuals yeah. and, and we're very playful with each other a lot yeah. of times too. And we can, we can make jokes in lightness that then that same joke can be interpreted a very different way depending on the mood that the other person is in. Yeah. And, and that can be really tricky to navigate sometimes. So I knew that you had good intentions because that's also a rule that an agreement that we have in our relationship, which is to always assume good intentions. And do we always get it right? Not always, but that is something that we both try to come back to over and over again. Um, and so while I, I knew that it was well-intended, it was incredibly painful and you immediately sought to make physical connection with me because we were at shopping and we had your son with us too. Um, you know, you, you reached out, you grabbed my hand, which you usually do anyway, but I could tell you were, you were bringing extra energy to it to really like soothe me. And, and I, I was still just kind of sitting with it. You know, I allowed the, the connection and I was very open to it, but I was, I was a, allowing it to wash over me mm -hmm. more than was perhaps helpful. And then I keep, I kept deepening into it. So you and you and your son were off in the men's section. I was in the women's section. We were doing our own thing. And as I am alone in the women's section, I'm like writing this story deeper and deeper. We're like, it wasn't, I was actually still assuming good intention from you, mm -hmm. but I started to write the story of, I need him to witness just how much pain that caused me. And I, I don't think that I expressed it enough in that moment. I need him to know how much he cut me with that particular comment. So then after we were done shopping, <clears throat> we reconnected to go, to go to the grocery store and you were hangry. Yes. <laughs> and we also have relationship agreements mm -hmm. around when either one of us is dysregulated and or hangry mm -hmm. because one equals the other <laughs> in those situations. And so I was like, well, I'm not gonna bring it up now because I do try to practice and you are better at it than I am, but I, I do try to practice bringing it up as quickly as possible. And, um, we each got like a little bit of food, but then we needed to actually make dinner when we got home. So we started doing that. And then, you know, we had dinner with your son and, and it was great. And, but I was still a little, my energy was off and you were also not feeling great, but I didn't actually realize just how dysregulated you were, like how, how run down you were feeling because it had come on really very quickly, just like this like nasal thing. Mm -hmm. And you're really tired, you're really run down. So I also wasn't approaching you from the place of recognizing how dysregulated you actually were. Because again, it, you're, you're hearing all of our relationship agreements here. We have very specific agreements in place. Whichever partner is the more regulated partner needs to step up and take more leadership in those situations. Mm -hmm. And we have that throughout the course of our day too. You are not a morning person, I am. So we have started to put more things in place where I take more leadership in the mornings mm -hmm. to kind of help 
you get moving and then there's other times where it's, it's reversed and you do it for me. And so I just didn't recognize how dysregulated you were. I didn't, I didn't notice you hadn't really told me just how much like you weren't feeling well. And I was like, well, I need him to know how much pain I'm in and how much pain he caused me. And I need, I think there was a part of me that was like, I need him to feel the same level of pain that I feel he caused me in that moment. Mm. And so I, I come into the room and immediately you can tell my energy's off. I'm, I'm so transparent. It's absurd. And <laughs> translucent, trans transparent to the point of translucent. Yes. There is no, I, my face and body and energy do not hide anything. And I started sharing it with you, but it was from a very judgmental place. Mm. And I mean, you, you can share, cause I don't actually remember. You probably remember better than I, than I do how I was sharing it. And I was trying to be really careful of like taking, taking responsibility in it for the fact that I recognize that this is my wound and simultaneously trying to get you to feel the pain of my wound. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't yeah. working well. No, no. You know, and, <laughs> and that's where, you know, there's a, there's oftentimes in these, in these exchanges, a disconnect between what I really want mm -hmm. and what it is that I'm saying that I'm seeking in this, in this dynamic. Right. So just owning in that moment that really what I was wanting was for you to feel my pain. Yeah. Right. And if I go even deeper than that, I wanted you to feel pain. Yes. Right. There's a part of me that wanted that. And yes. So um, this is where I, I talk about compassionate communication, you know, being misunderstood and misused as, you know, like here's a framework of language that I can use that will take all of my judgments and all of my ill-conceived notions of what I'm really wanting to get out and try to shove it in this in, in this container, you know, put lipstick on a pig and then deliver it and, and then think that the other person is going to be like, great, I love this <laughs> container that you put all this bullshit into, right? And that's what I, that's what we do. It's what I do in relationship. You know, it's like I put it all into this container and the, so the container comes back is, is, uh, you know, using all the nice language, mm -hmm. like, Hey, this is, this is the experience. This is the story that I'm making up. And this is what, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm making it mean and I don't really believe this, but here's what's happening. Right. So I'm listening to these words that are coming out of, you know, like yeah. this is the story I'm making it mean this. I don't really believe that. And I'm going, okay, cool. Great. Well, then glad you did your work. What do you need from me? You need anything? And, and you're sitting there <laughs> stewing, like I'm not getting the result that I want. And I'm like, but I'm giving you, great, you did your work. Is there anything you need? I'm here. Is there anything more that I can give to you to help meet your needs? And you're just like, quiet. Like, I, this isn't working. I'm, <laughs> I'm not getting what I'm wanting, right? Internally, not, yes. not, psych, not, not, psych, not, not in my awareness, but underneath that. Like, yeah. my little child is still at play here. Mm -hmm. And my little child wants a pound of flesh for the pound of flesh that was taken from me. Right. Right. That's what I really want. Yeah. That's my subconscious motivation. I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm so glad that you mentioned, you know, you put that out there. That I really want my pound of flesh. You took a pound of flesh from me. Yeah. You hurt me. And I want you to feel that pain. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not going to take that on. 
And so then, now we're in now we're in a new conflict yeah. where where it is a misunderstanding. And I'm sitting here going, yeah, I'm holding space for whatever you need. I got you. You know, let me know what you need. And you're like, I don't need anything. And I'm like, okay, fine. Well, if you don't need anything, I'm gonna go back to doing what I was doing. And then the tears start coming. I'm like, okay, that didn't work. <laughs> Clearly, she wanted more mm -hmm. than what she was asking for. So let me try this again. You know, what is it? You know, and at that point, uh, now the judgment comes out, right? And, and you know, now the like, I, I feel like you're patronizing me, right? Mm -hmm. like, now we're in the now we're in a new dynamic, which is <laughs> here's my wounding, yeah. right? I don't want to be set up to be the parent in in this relationship that has burned me to be in the the power dynamic. So, which is not what either of us want. Of course, to be clear, that is your wound. But neither one of us want that dynamic, right? Yeah. So now you've hit the trigger where you've hit you've hit my wound, right? <laughs> you've hit my wound, and I'm like, oh, fuck all of this night, this this conflict resolution. That that's not okay with me. That's a boundary. That's not okay. Now I'm mad, right? Mm -hmm. And the minute I get mad, you're like, okay, now I know what I want. <laughs> Because by, I don't know what it was about that. I don't think it was unrelated, but like consciously it wasn't related for me. But I was, I got, I got underneath all of my own bullshit. And it was like, I really just want to be held. Hmm. I want to be held and I want to be reassured in this moment and just loved on mm -hmm. yeah. right now. Yeah. And then you didn't want it. Mm -mm, mm -mm. So you didn't even want to hear it. I said, when I said, you know, I know what you want, you you snapped back at me that you were like, well, I'm not available for that anymore. <laughs> and, and so. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I'm sure the listeners out here can experience this. You're like, I'm open and available for what you want, whatever you want. Oh, I don't need anything. I don't need anything. Like, um, but now that you're pissed off, I know exactly what it is that I want. <laughs> <laughs> now that I've gotten an emotion, I've elicited an emotion mm. from you, mm -hmm. which is ultimately really on some level what you want. Yeah. And not consciously. No. Like it wasn't, it wasn't conscious, but mm -hmm. yes, that was because if I couldn't get you to feel pain, then anger was a good substitute. Yeah, absolutely. Because then I'm getting some sort of reaction mm -hmm. out of you as opposed to being so neutral that I'm just irritated mm -hmm. by it. I'm like, no, if I'm emotional, I need you to be emotional too. Mm -hmm. Get emotional with me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And this is the, the, that subtle form of testing that we talk about, yeah. you know, testing um, my partner to see if I'm safe, right? If I'm already safe, then I don't get to find out whether I will be safe, right? So it's in the moment where he's actually frustrated and angry <laughs> that I actually get to find out my subconscious again, not my conscious awareness, that I get to find out whether or not he's actually going to show up in the way that I want him to, in the way that he says he's able to. Yeah. And of course, in that 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 one moment, in that moment, mm -hmm. you're like, oh, he's on his rockers, not your conscious mind, but you know, my subconscious. He's on he's on his edge. Let me see if I can now get him to give me what I want. <laughs> and of course, the setup was, no, I'm not going to give you what you mm -hmm. want. And the response was, well, fine. When you're ready to 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 hear me, come find me. Yeah, I don't know if those are my exact words, but some, something along those lines. Yeah. And, yeah. and I like, I left the room mm -hmm. and my, yes, the way that I left it in my mind was essentially that it was on you then when you had then calmed down mm -hmm. <laughs> to come, come find me. <laughs> uh -huh. So I, I went and read a book for a while mm -hmm. and I calmed down and I, I, you know, I recentered. 
And, but then after some time passed, you weren't coming. No, no. I decided. I was like, yeah. I, there, I, I did not hear a request. Mm -hmm. uh, I am not going. Whereas in my mind, I did make the request, mm -hmm. but I did not explicitly make the request. I, I more or less just told you, yeah. come find me. You told me what I needed to do. Yes. And I was saying. It was a demand, and not my, a request. And my little boy showed up and said, uh-uh, no. I am Fuck her. Not, <laughs> I am not going to succumb to your demands. If you want something from me, you come to me. I'm going to bed. Mm-hmm. So finally, I think, I don't know, like 40 minutes have passed or something. I come back into the room and I see that you're, you know, like falling asleep. The TV is still on, but you're like falling asleep. And I'm even more irritated. I'm like, are you kidding me? Internally. Mm -hmm. I'm like, he wasn't even going to come find me. <laughs> mm -hmm. So then I kind of come at you a little bit energetically mm -hmm. and then you, you are not having it. Mm -hmm. You are not having it. You pointed out that I did not actually make a request, that I made a demand. There was no, there was no option that I gave you. It was just like an expectation that I had put onto you. And you were getting angrier and angrier. And I sat on, on the floor beside the bed and I, I was having an internal conversation of like, open, 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 open. And I, I was still ready to just ask you for what I needed, mm -hmm. but I was getting more and more distressed by your reactions, your anger that was coming at me. And, uh, then you picked up your watch to see what time it was, but you did it very deliberately <laughs> and you were making a point by mm -hmm. doing so. Mm -hmm. And you, you stared at the watch and then you put it back down mm -hmm. and then you just looked at me mm -hmm. and then I just completely shut down. And, and we have yet another mm -hmm. relational agreement that after 11 PM, we even more than usual assume positive intent and, and generous assumptions. And that we also kind of try not to argue after that hour. Like we, we have the ability, we try not to go bed, to bed angry, but sometimes I think you and I both recognize when it would do better after a night of sleep. So then we can put it aside and we're okay. We come back to it in the morning and boom, it's, it's cleared. Like we never leave anything uncleared. That's one of the beautiful parts about this relationship. Um, but then you got really angry and then you left the room <clears throat> to go sleep downstairs, which then threw me into a bit of a tailspin because we have never done that. And I was like, I am not going to be the couple that is in the pattern of sleeping apart when angry. And that, because we've been together almost a year and that has never happened. And I was seriously distressed. Um, and I needed to regulate myself and I did. It took a long time actually, but I did. And I kept your, <laughs> your bedside light on. <laughs> so you just gone down to the basement, but I, I kept a little bedside light on, on your side. I told you later after we repaired as like a little beacon, like a lighthouse of like, come home to me. <laughs> and I was so sad. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd also texted me and I didn't have my phone. Don't yeah, and I thought you did. And I was just like, I love you so much. I'm so sorry. And you never answered and you didn't come back. And in, but within that, I still trusted you. I still trusted the relationship and I knew that we would figure it out. If that had happened a year ago when we first started dating, I would not have. I would have been like, well, we're done. Might as well pack my shit and uh, get out because this is over and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and I think we'll get into the resolution of mm-hmm. uh, how we got how we got there and what repair really looks like. But I think it's also important to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit on um, what was really showing up mm-hmm. in that conflict. You know, the the pieces underneath it, because on the surface we're arguing about twinkle lights, twinkle lights. <laughs> you know. But it has nothing to do, no. really, ultimately, with tink- twinkle lights. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, could you sh- would you share a little bit more? I think about what it really was about for you, and what it was kind of standing for. If if you hadn't clear- clarified all that so far, hmm. I feel like ultimately it was about really needing to. I mean, what it ended up turning into over the course of the next day, what we really got to the the true core of it was me not asking for my needs to be met. And this is a very old pattern for me, fitting myself into spaces and places and taking the crumbs, not because you give crumbs, but, but almost I'll only ask sometimes for the crumbs because I don't, I don't trust that if I ask for the full meal that I'll be given, that I'll actually be given the opportunity to have it. Mm. And in a lot of ways, what I've really started to notice is that I'm so unused to asking for my needs to be met that it's really hard sometimes for me to even know what to ask for. Mm -hmm. So when you are very open and available to me asking for my needs, it, it doesn't mean that you're going to meet every single one of them. <clears throat> I need to come across with them as a genuine request, not as a demand. But if, if I'm not even able to bring into my awareness what it is that I need, it makes it really hard for you to meet me where you want to. Like you want to meet me there. Mm-hmm. But if I can't vocalize it and if I can't even bring awareness to it because I have such a long pattern of fitting myself in where... I, I don't, I don't end up feeling nourished. It's on me. Like that's, that's my responsibility, but then resentment can start to build. And this is what you and I ended up picking up on where I have over again, very, very long history and only a tiny bit with you grown tired of not having my needs met and feeling like I'm meeting everyone else's needs like that good girl programming, like I'll make sure everybody else is happy, but not, not even asking for the full meal. Just being like, oh, it's okay. I'll live off the crumbs. You don't want to give me crumbs. There's no part of me that believes that you only want to give me crumbs and you, you don't, but you also can only give me what, what I am open to receive. And if I'm not even able to ask you for what I want or need, it's really hard for you to give it to me. You can't read my mind, <laughs> especially if I can't even read my own mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so in that, there's a, a piece of how do I be a stand for what I need in, in this relationship, in this dynamic? Um, and, uh, and where have I been shrinking myself down in order to get what I think will be met um, as opposed to giving my partner the opportunity to actually meet 
what it is that I really want. Um, and that's a, you know, it's such an interesting thing that shows up in so many aspects of relationship and, and dynamic of, you know, if I, if I ask for what I really want, I'll be too much mm. and I'll be discarded. Um, and the vulnerable piece is to really be honest and ask for what it is that I really need. Because on one side, I'll, I won't be rejected if I don't ask for what I, what I really want. But I also will never be accepted if I never give my partner the opportunity to actually step up and give me what I want. And so it's, there's a, a, um, an establishment of a story that, that just continues on. Uh, and for me, I've been in a lot of relationships and relational dynamics where I was, I co-created a dynamic where I was the person in power um, that, you know, a lot of fatherhood wounds, I, I'm, you know, not only do I show up in the world as like, you know, hey, this is what fatherhood really means and fatherhood, 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 but I end up being the father triggering my partner's father's father wounds and showing up as the father in, in the dynamic where is I have a, a patriarchal dynamic that is co-created. Mm -hmm. you know, partially it's it's on me in terms of you know being the the you know the i've got the ideas i've got the you know i've got some clarity i know what i'm talking about um and people and people tend to respond to that in 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 a way but also being uh put in that position by partners who go okay well you've got it figured out you tell me how how it's going to go and then buying it, okay, well, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll share. And then further creating that dynamic. Yeah. And that has burned me so poorly because once I get into that dynamic where now I'm the, the father figure in this relationship, now we, I've created separation, we're no longer equals, and I don't want to be in that position. Um, there's so many negative impacts that have on me and on this relationship, but also in my own wounding around being the know-it-all or being the one who needs to be in charge or needs to be right. And I don't resonate with that. I don't need to be right. I just, I'm curious. I have, I want to know all the information that I'm, I'm an Aquarian. As, as, as has been pointed out, I'm painfully Aquarian, <laughs> which I totally don't understand how Aquarians can be painful to anybody. We're just here to make the He's world He's like, painful better. for whom? We're just here to make the world a better place for everybody. How could that be painful? And, and I get the irony and I say it. Trust me, I do. Uh, <laughs> and so that, that brings up my own wounding of, of, not, of being too much. And so... I desperately don't want to be in the position where I'm I'm the authority figure, um, and whenever it's you know this this reflection of uh, okay I, I I'm not going to ask for much I'm not going to ask for what I need or I'm just going to accept crumbs reflects back to me that I'm overbearing that I'm too much and that if you were to ask for for anything more that my response is going to be such that it would be you know it's it's like I've been now painted out to be the big ogre in the corner. Yeah. And, you know, if you ask me for too much, then the ogre is going to come out and beat you up. And I don't want to be that. And so just the, the reflection, not even you saying it, but your timidness to ask 
reflects back that maybe I'm just a bully or I'm too much or I'm going to respond in this way. And that triggers me because I'm like, no, I'm, I'm here to give you what you want. Just tell me what you want or, you know, what, let me know what you need. I'm here for that. Um, and so it's, it's our, our paired wounding mm -hmm. showing up in those moments that are, are actually, it's our wounds talking to each other rather than our higher awareness speaking to each other and that's what's getting what's getting triggered you know what's getting triggered for me is um what i'm now i'm now somehow the boss i don't want to be the boss and you're further painting me into being the boss so while also resenting you for well, being the boss <laughs> well simon's saying you're resenting me for being yes. the boss and you know and and now i'm i'm stuck in a catch-22 and i'm angry and i'm frustrated and i don't want to have any part of this just tell me what the hell you want woman <laughs> <laughs> and even in that right is even as i say that what do i want yeah you know like there that that is a part of the co-creation of the dynamic like tell me what you want like that's a setup yeah. You know, subconsciously, even as I say that, I'm noticing like that's part of the setup. Like, mm. what do I want in that moment? Right. What do I, what am I looking for? Um, and that's a, that's an, a learning for me on how to reframe the, the conversation because I'm inherently creating a power dynamic. And a lot of men do this as well, mm -hmm. which is I don't need anything. Yeah. I don't need anything. I'm good. I'm whole on myself. Uh, you just let me know what you need and I'll be there for it. Right. Mm -hmm. Notice the power dynamic yeah. that's created when I don't need anything and I'm only responding to your needs. Uh, and so, you know, ultimately, I think that's really what we were what we were exploring and the dynamic that was underneath uh, the twinkle lights. And in addition to it being, you know, hitting, uh, you know, I, I, I tapped a core wound yeah. when I said that, you know, yeah. it was a, it, it tapped against a core wound that was on some level unresolved around, um, you know, something that happened in a previous relationship. And in fairness, you shared that with me in confidence mm -hmm. and turning it into a joke, um, an inappropriate joke at that moment was was dirty pool, wasn't fair, wasn't a, a, a good way to enter into a relationship. And though I recognized it in the moment, I tried to, uh, to repair uh, through physical contact, um, it, it wasn't enough. It mm -hmm. wasn't enough in that moment and more needed to be uh, dealt with yeah. around that. Yeah. Before we switch gears, I am so thrilled to announce the release of my first ever book called You Grow Me, co-authored with my dear friend, Dr. Jade Tita. This book is a big fuck you to unrealistic Hollywood love stories. And instead, it offers a fresh perspective on how personal growth is intertwined with romance. It's a whole new philosophy of love and relationships. The link to buy the book is in the show notes, and you can grab the audio, Kindle, or hard copy over on Amazon. It's called You Grow Me, The Next Level Human Philosophy of Love, Sex, and Romantic Connection. I'd love for you to check it out and let me know your takeaways via DM. So cut to the next day. Mm -hmm. We got to, to, to do some repair. Mm -hmm. um, and then what would you share around the repair process that was beneficial for you? What, what really um, landed? You know, you and I both noticed this about our conflicts is sometimes we actually have difficulty remembering the specifics because we actually fully resolve it. And we've never really had this experience in past relationships before. But in this relationship, because we fully resolve, it's it's actually hard to recall some of the specifics. <clears throat> um, I approached you much more gently 
initially. Then you were still feeling some judgment from me. And, and at some point I recognized within myself, I get to choose how I want to feel. I get to choose how I want our day to go. I get to choose how I want my energy to be. Like we have choices in that. And that doesn't mean that we don't feel the feels, but I'd already spent all night feeling the feels. I hadn't gotten much sleep. I'd like cried myself to sleep at one point, but I had gotten very little sleep. I had felt my feels. <laughs> and I was like, I actually don't want to feel like this anymore. So at one point we, we reconnected um, physically in terms of just like looking into each other's eyes. And we teach our couples this sometimes too, about how to ground during conflict and just taking a moment to just be still with each other, breathing together, co-regulating, that really helped. Then there was like some other stuff that came up a little bit later because I started noticing, I started feeling as though there were patterns that were playing out where I over, over past um, relational uh, conflicts and stuff as well. I was like, I, I feel as though these are things that keep repeating in terms of basically what I was trying to point out was the power dynamic. Again, that we were pointing it out to each other from different angles and from different experiences. And we talked through that a lot and finally ended up sharing with you what it was I really needed, which was I needed what I had wanted to share with you the night before, but I had ill-timed it <laughs> and ill-communicated it <clears throat> was that I just wanted some extra love and that I needed to be held. And we came together and did that. We just snuggled and I relaxed. I, I really, really relaxed and we had a really great rest of the day, but we've had, we've had a lot of conflict mm -hmm. in the last couple of weeks. Sure. And there was some stuff that came up yesterday. And then again, then I feel like we actually really got to the root of, of what I just shared around the me not asking for my needs to be met. Yeah. And it has also not usually ever been safe for me to express anger mm. in past relationships. And I, I feel way more safe to do it with you, but I sometimes still contain myself. Not because I don't think you can hold it, but for a variety of reasons, I still kind of contain it myself. And to be clear, I, I'm just not the person who's going to like yell at people. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I do need to vocally release my anger. It's not directed towards you. And this is again, very rare for me. This has only ever happened maybe like two times in our entire relationship so far. And I needed to do that. And I just basically yelled at one point. I wasn't even yelling anything. Like there were not words. I just like yelled. And there was such a powerful shift that came from that. And then you and I started immediately like being playful with each other and joking while still getting out the shit. Silly yelling, yeah. Yeah, like it was like silly yelling. And, and but we were like laughing as we were doing it, but it completely shifted the dynamic. And I think that sometimes we can get stuck in, at least I can, I can get stuck in sadness sometimes. And I have to do things like really specifically to shift it. I often will try to move the energy somehow, just like by moving my body. Sometimes I am learning I need to just express the anger that is underneath it. Sometimes it's sadness underneath the anger. Other times there's actually a little bit of anger underneath the sadness that needs to come out. I don't know if you remember, but when you, you just like, ah, and I was like, yes. Yeah. You were excited. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> let's go there. You know? Um, and I think there, you know, it's, it's both, it's a, it's a, it's a dance. It's a both and yeah. it's a permission. Um, you know, what I'm hearing is, you know, in the repair, the process to repair really required us to do a little bit more mining. 
you know, to, to getting to the, the core of really, you know, going a little deeper. And this is hard to do in relationship. And it's, yeah. it's you know, I'm really grateful that, that I have a partner that has so many skills and we can go back and forth in this. And this is where it's so helpful to have, you know, outside support. Mm-hmm. You even mentioned at one point in time, you're like, I think we need outside support to get to the bottom of this um, because it can be really helpful to have somebody on the outside to kind of witness what's going on and help you help pull out the pieces because we're interacting on our own wounding, but an outside observer can kind of go, oh, hey, did you notice you said this? Did you notice these things are coming up? And where is that also showing up in your life? And getting deeper and deeper and mining a little deeper until we really got to the bedrock. And, you know, the repair began to happen once we got to the bedrock of what was really taking place. Um, And, you know, what really started to become clear for me um, was we're having an argument around um, around you saying you couldn't get it right, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm gonna step over aside for a second and and go into the com- uh, compassionate communication piece, which is you know I have 20 plus years experience working with nonviolent communication. I I use it as compassionate communication um, and teaching the tools around that. And so uh, coming into this relationship, you know there were there was a lot of conversations where you're like, I'm doing it wrong. I'm not using the right words. I'm not using your words and I'm not using, and I, and I, in this relationship, I've, I've had a deeper understanding of some of the limitations of compassionate communication and, and how, uh, and I've been having this conversation with myself and with others for a good number of years now around the limitations because, you know, compassion communication typically, um, and those of you who are interested, you can look up nonviolent communication and uh, Marshall Rosenberg and his work around that, which I've been adapting in many different ways over over decades here, um, to look at how we are, how I, as an individual, I'm projecting my judgments onto the person that I'm communicating with, and as a result of those judgments, they're putting up their shield. Uh, and so, if we can try different ways of communicating, uh, we will be able to. The other person will be able to hear us and hear our needs and be more likely to meet those needs because in every communication, all I'm really seeking is to get my needs met. And if I'm not aware of what needs they are I'm trying to get met, then one, I can't make positive requests to my partner, but two, they're not going to be able to meet me because their shield is gonna come up. The problem with this is that, you know, we take this process language, you know, when, I, when you do this, I feel this, and I would like for you to do this, right? And we take all of the judgments, you know, human beings, we take all the judgments and we try to sh- sh- you know, shove them into this process <laughs> language and deliver a whole new, you know, like a pretty set, yeah. you know, a very well-worded set of judgments at your lap and then go, well, how come you're not doing this correctly? I did all, I put it on all the nice pretty words and I delivered my judgment on your lap with a, a nice pretty bow on it. Mm-hmm. So how are you not receiving it? Um, and so... That's the hard part of understanding, you know, is really owning the judgment underneath it. And I'm trying to communicate this to you and in, in, in my awareness and understanding of this. And you're like, I'm, how come I'm still getting it wrong? I'm using the words. I'm, I'm saying the words that I'm supposed to be saying. And I'm like, but your judgment is still in there. And it was a particularly big hit to my ego because I teach about communication. Exactly. I was like, fuck you. I know some things about communication. Why don't you recognize this about me? Yeah. <laughs> So now here's the, here's the bad part, right? Now I'm being the teacher 
right. in our in our relationship, yeah. which is is I'm co-creating a dynamic that I don't want to be in, where I'm now sharing information, and then you have to be the one who's getting it right. Right, and you keep trying to follow the rules mm-hmm. of nonviolent communication and 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 getting upset more and more upset that you're not getting it right and I'm the I'm the the one in control here who's determining whether or not you're getting it right so now I don't want to be in this position yep. you don't want to be in that position and and this is the space that we're actually arguing about and we've actually fixed a, like we we've healed a lot of that around mm-hmm. that specific thing mm-hmm. now it just like shows up in some other areas mm-hmm. and and the other the reason why we got into conflict mid podcast was that we one of the cameras stops at a certain point so you know we stopped the camera and and um you said something about we knew we were going to talk about twinkle gate <laughs> mm-hmm. and you made a comment about feeling so we should have gotten to it sooner and because it's you know th- these episodes are very much a co creation with you you were my equal partner in this yeah. but because the overall podcast is mine i take that responsibility really seriously and i immediately took that on mm-hmm. as i didn't bring it up soon enough mm-hmm. this this isn't this isn't going the way that you wanted it to go mm-hmm. and i didn't even necessarily disagree with you i was like i feel like he's right we should have brought it up sooner and then i started questioning me and then it, it it even even in that it somehow still framed you as being right and me as being wrong yeah and then what i started to cry about was that we had just talked about how we care for each other's wounds and i said to you in total vulnerability i was like i'm feeling a lot of distress that i feel like i don't care for your wounds as well as you care for mine and i'm crying again <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's 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 a two-way street, right? It's both caring for my wounds and giving you the opportunity to care for my wounds, right? One of the things that you have done so beautifully is given me the opportunity to care for your wounds. Um, and I may not be as um, as forthcoming in creating the space for you to care for my wounds. It's a two-way street. It's co-creation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, you could say that I do a better job, but you could also say that you do a better job of creating the opportunities. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I get to jump on those opportunities and I get to learn how to create uh, better opportunities um, that don't come with judgment, with shame, with, you know, with guilt. Um, you know, for me in that moment, it's like, well, I'm the film professor and I'm the storyteller, right? So, you know, just because I made a a comment now that comment is going to mean so much more you know mm-hmm. and i was just like hey i thought there's a tweak i think we could do this and now now it's like well you know well he clearly sees that it's not working so i did something wrong again and and it's like no it's just my opinion like i don't want you to take my opinion so so strongly um uh that's now hitting my wound you know um but when we got to the bedrock i think you know the thing for me um that really that really hit it was you know we were talking you were saying it you know i asked this was actually another conflict that came up, come up the next morning around you know we were getting ready to leave to go somewhere um and and you had said i'd, I'd asked for my need i'd asked for from my need which was for me to tell you when we were gonna like what time you wanted to what leave. time you wanted to leave yeah but really that <clears throat> wasn't the the core need 
what you needed was five more minutes, mm. right? Yeah. Um, but you didn't want to ask for the five more minutes. And it's because I didn't trust that you'd give it to me. Exactly. Yeah. Right. At least not without a battle, like that you would you would give me a hard time, total projection on my part, yeah. but that you would give me, especially because you are more dysregulated in the mornings. Yeah. And and I am conscious of that, and and we have talked a lot about that and how how we can support each other through that. Mm -hmm. So I I felt that in that particular moment in time, that you were not going to give that to me. So I didn't even ask for it. Yeah, but this is the underneath you know, the piece underneath, which is well, I'm not going to ask for what I want. Yes. I'm going to ask for the crumbs of what I want. Exactly. And so in the asking, you're getting what you're asking for. Mm -hmm. You're getting the crumbs. And feeling unfulfilled, you know, because I'm only giving you the crumbs yeah. and not giving you the thing that you really want. But it would be really vulnerable to ask for that thing that I really want because now I'm set up to be let down. Yeah. And then we're right back to the same space. If I never ask for what I want, I will be safe in the sense that I won't be let down, but I will never feel truly safe because I will never give my partner the opportunity to truly meet what I actually need and then feel really safe to continue to ask for the things that I actually really want. You know, and that's, you know, it's like, we do this early in relationship. We test with test with like all of these little pieces, mm -hmm. but it's not until I actually get to the bigger pieces the bigger pieces of what I actually want in that that moment, um, not what I think I can get, but what I really want. That I give my partner the opportunity to actually meet me where I, where I want to be met. And until then, I'm only just getting the crumbs and getting upset about not truly getting what I want. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the other piece too that I want to point out is that if it sounds like we have a ton of conflict, we do. Well, we do and we don't though, because there, there are other times where we can go weeks yeah. without having conflict at all. Yeah. And it's like sunshine and rainbows all the time. And I, I, I want to share this with people because I want, I want people to know that it is normal to have these ebbs and flows. And every time you and I have had these like clusters of, of more conflict in, the, in a short period of time, it is always without fail because a wound is coming up to be healed mm -hmm. where there are realizations or a new layer of a wound mm -hmm. to be healed, or there are certain realizations that are coming up. We've had uh, arguments before. There are two in particular, one where you had a massive breakthrough mm -hmm. and there's another one where I had a massive breakthrough mm -hmm. and both of those breakthroughs fundamentally changed our relationship for the better. And when I'm seeing these clusters come up, like we've had over the last few days, I, I know now that I'm like, oh, it's because these, these dynamics are being highlighted continuously, repetitively, so that we can shift them. Mm -hmm. Because you and I are so growth oriented, both individually and together. And we're, we're very specific about, about like, we're in this for the growth, mm -hmm. that we aren't here to be the same. Mm -hmm. So when these clusters happen, it's because there are certain dynamics that aren't working. Mm -hmm. And we're, we are then going to be in that cluster of like bumping up against it again and again and again until we shift it. And yesterday and, and today, I think were huge breakthroughs around shifting it because things started to land for me in a way that I had known intellectually, but they were not landing in my body the way that they were before. 
And that allows me to show up differently in this relationship going forward in a, in a more powerful way, again, for myself and for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so repair, let's talk a little bit about that. Mm. Like what are the, what are the essential elements of repair for you? For me, I think the biggest part of it starts with just curiosity, like both, both within and towards the other person. So what is the experience that you're having internally, like yourself? What, what is it that is being brought up? What wounds are being triggered? Um, what, what is it that really hit you a certain way about whatever it, it was that was being argued about? And with the other person, rather than operating, and this is so easy to do, we all do this, I, I still catch myself doing this, rather than operating off of, the assumptions and the stories that we often create. I've, I've shared examples on here of, of how I, I also have done that. Can we get curious? Can we ask the other person about their experience? Can we find out how they're feeling? Can we find out what maybe got triggered for them? That's gonna give us a very different and, and unique perspective on the other person and on the conflict in general and our relationship to the other person. And that's an opportunity for growth. That's an opportunity for deepening the relationship. This is the thing. Repair is where relationship grows stronger. That's why we, we can't fear conflict that way. It, we, we need to look at it for the opportunity that it is to recognize that with the right person, that's where you can go deep. And then you create that deeper bond and you can develop so much more compassion for the other person as well. And you get to carry that forward with you. When, when you're pissed off with them the next moment, you can come back to that sense of compassion from within because you, you asked the questions, you got curious, you figured out where they were coming from with their own unique story, history, background, experiences, childhood, wounding, all of those different things, bringing that all together to be able to have more compassion for them as a human, to see their humanness and to recognize your own. The other piece of the repair is what we've been talking about, which is ask for what you need. What do you need? And that is easier said than done sometimes. And it's a practice, but especially when you can get to these core things, like don't fear the depths of going down there because you will find gold down there that you and your partner can use to create a stronger bond. Yeah. You know, what comes up for me is I have some really good friends uh, that have a ranch um, mm-hmm. and the name of the ranch is Kintsugi. I always think of this. I just, I put this in my book actually about Kintsugi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which is um, an, an ancient art form um, of repair um, where you are taking pottery generally um, and repairing these, these broken, this broken pottery um, by weaving in layers of gold into the cracks to create a, a unique new art form. Uh, and I think in many ways, that's really what, um, you know, the gold is that we are, we are all broken. We are all individually, we're all broken at some, in some way, shape and form. That, that's basically our journey from, from childhood through adolescence is about, you know, finding all of the different shards that is, that, that come together to create this great work of art. And it is through my relational dynamics that I get to find more of those gold threads 
that are going to put together this unique piece of pottery that is us, not just me, but is us, and craft this wholly new work of art through those through those uh, those slippers of gold, mm -hmm. and you know, getting back to it, the gold uh, for me to really own and, and honor that gold is to take responsibility for everything that I can without a sense of shame or blame to truly take responsibility and say, yes, I, I, I own that I did this. I'm not owning that I'm a bad person. I'm not owning that I am an asshole or, well, I am at times for sure. There's, there's, no, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> However, it's, it's how I showed up, not who I am. Yeah. And the more, the, the, to the degree to which I can own the, the ways that I showed up that were ineffective and not that I'm, I'm bad or I'm wrong, but they were not effective in this dynamic to help me get to where I wanted to go. The degree to which I can own that helps you to understand that I'm human too, that we're in this together that it's not just you and your wounding that's bringing all the problems to this relationship, but I showed up in this particular way that had a, this particular impact on your wounding and that's not effective. There's gold in there. Mm -hmm. And that's the gold that I get to harvest to bring back to the relationship and say, I apologize for showing up in this way. My commitment moving forward is to seek to do this. And I'll make a request. Here's how you can help me. Here's how you can support me. You know, a simple, you made a simple request the other day um, that you wanted to be acknowledged more. You do an amazing job of acknowledging me. And, you know, oftentimes in relationship, this happens so frequently where I speak to my partner in the way that I want to be spoken to. Mm -hmm. Now, the acknowledgement doesn't necessarily mean as much to me it's not it's something that I was necessarily looking for in the same way. Mm -hmm. I am looking for acknowledgement in different ways, but that's the way that you're looking for it. And you're modeling for me what it is that you want to receive. And hopefully I can pick up on that. But if I can't, you get to say, hey, this is what I need. And I get to say, okay, I'm here to meet you on that. And I also know that this is a challenging one for me. And so I'm going to make a request of you to help me get you to help help me get there. Mm -hmm. I'm going to see that yes, I want to do this. I want to do this. And how can I set myself up to succeed? How can I also make a request of you? And my you know my request in that moment was, can you remind me to do that in moments of connection? which for you are not the times that you're wanting it. You're wanting right. it when there's the disconnection, but, <laughs> but it's hardest for me to yes. access that. And I know that about myself. It's yeah. hard for me to access that in times, times of disconnection. So if I can build a muscle where I can start to, uh, to do that more regularly, acknowledge you in those moments of connection when it's available and, and, um, and obvious for me, then I will have created a story that's easier for me to access in the moments of, of difficulty. So the repair is both finding the gold, bringing the gold back to our collective connection, and then also asking for what I need and asking for the support to get me there. Yeah, yeah. And 
the other the other big piece of that as well is really making sure and and we've had conversations about this because it is tricky when we will often do for our partners the way that that we want done for us and we've had a lot of conversations about what works better for you in just as one example and then i do that as well because i'm like okay i want to make sure that i'm loving him in the way that he recognizes love not just in the way that i recognize love and then project that onto him <laughs> so that's a really important part of it and and we we need to be able to meet our partners there and to be able to have these conversations there's the other the other piece that I'll I'll just mention about the connection um, the reconnection during repair is that you and I create very intentional connection points while we are repairing. So assuming that we're in person, which is not always the case, but if we're in person, we will hold hands mm -hmm. while we are arguing. Yeah, we will have like physical touch. We've been holding hands most of this entire podcast mm -hmm. episode, and this is very normal for us. It's normal for us when things are good too, yeah. but we don't we don't lose that connection piece just because we're arguing, because it's really hard to be incredibly angry at and to stay really angry at someone whose hand you're holding and you are recognizing their humanity. Yeah, and it's also, again, the reaffirmation, the physical affirmation of I'm not going anywhere. Yes. Right? Again, yes. I can say it a million different times, but that doesn't mean that your nervous system is hearing it. Mm -hmm. And so how do I consistently, con over time, con continue to show up in a way where you feel, you experience, not just the words that are coming out of my mouth, but that this is here. Mm -hmm. And that's a big one for both of us because, you know, the, the leaving is a, or the yeah. abandonment is a key abandonment piece, right? Yep. And so the, to the degree to which we have created this for us, mm -hmm. you also get to create that for you out yeah. there. You know, um, what is it, what is, what is my core wound? Knowing what my core wound is and knowing what my partner's core wounds are, or wounds, plural, carrying many of them, mm -hmm. um, creates the space for me to have deeper compassion and connection. And when I'm aware of those things and I can say that I, I'm in a, a relationship, I, I strive to be in a relationship that is not a 100-0 or 50-50, but 100-100 yes. in the sense that your wounds are my responsibility as much as my wounds are your responsibility. It's not, you've got to fix yourself before you show up in this relationship. Yeah. Because if we're waiting for my, if I'm waiting for my partner to be fixed before they can show up in this relationship, I'm going to be waiting until the end of days because it's never going to be, it's never going to happen. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're fully, fully healed and fully fixed in this realm of existence completely at all. We're always walking each other home. We're always walking each other back to that experience. And so it's a, it's a co-creation, but also a co-responsibility to put those things on the table, to see them, to acknowledge them, and to create ways of being, for this works for us, that remind each other, not just our mind, but our entire self, that this is the key piece. You know, as we say, love never leaves the room. Mm -hmm. That's non-negotiable. That's not on the table. Whatever conflict is coming up, leaving, or abandoning or running away or stepping out of the agreement, that's not what's on the table here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When Love that never becomes, leaves the room. 
<laughs> when that becomes the piece that's on the table, repair becomes impossible because I'm not taking care of my partner's needs. Mm -hmm. And the last, you know, kind of like the last thing that I'll say too is for anyone who is experiencing conflict as a really negative thing, not only can you learn to fight better, mm. but it it's also if you think that the grass is greener in another relationship, you may be wildly wrong because if if you're not experiencing repair in those moments and and you're not experiencing the growth and healing and yes, sometimes it is the wrong dynamic. Like yes, sometimes that is absolutely the case. But other times if you're noticing patterns where when shit gets hard and you end up in conflict and then you jump around to a different relationship and you do it again, you do it again, those you are the pattern <laughs> like and those same patterns are going to show up in relational dynamics with different people until you actually do the work within yourself and with the person that you are in relationship with to actually start to heal some of those things and to learn how to fight in a way that creates more connection rather than more dis-ease between you yeah you know at the end of the day, if my partner is trying, if my partner is earnestly trying to do the very best of what they have mm. to meet me where I am, then it's on me to help help them find a pathway that's going to help them get there. Um, and so I say, you know, how do I know when I should give up? Or how do I know when I should throw in the towel? How do I know when, you know, this is just not going to work out? I would say that as long as both parties are committed to trying, trying to do the very best that they can, then there's still something there that can be worked through, that can be salvaged, that can be a pathway still, no matter where you are in your, your dynamic, can still be a pathway to getting there. At the point in which I no longer believe that my partner is capable of meeting me where I need to be met, then they never are going to be able to meet me there mm, because I have point. not given them the space to. Yeah. So if you're out there and you've decided that this person can't meet you, they never will be able to. Yeah. That's on you and that's part of a co-creation. I'm not gonna say that you're right or you're wrong, but if that's your decision, that's a, that's a final decision and your partner's the never choice. going to meet you there. Mm -hmm. right? So you make that choice. Each and every one of us make that choice and you'll know when that choice is right for you. But if you believe that your partner is trying, then the one thing that I would leave you with is how can I give them a pathway? How can I set them up to win instead of continuing to make it harder and harder? Because this is what we do in, in relationship is if this person really loves me, then they'll jump over this 20 foot wall with barbed wire and electric fence and all of these things, yep. because that's what the person who truly loves me will be able to do. Well, can I just acknowledge that I've got 20 foot fences and barbed wire and throw a ladder? Yeah. You know, give, give them a hand up. Yeah. Like allow, do you, do you want to be right or do you want to be in a relationship? Can you allow them the, the space to meet you where you want to be met and to help give them the guiding light to get there? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I love getting to work with, with you in a variety of aspects, but I love the work that we're doing with couples Absolutely. in particular. It is so beautiful. It's so rewarding. And I'm just excited to do so much more of this. We're also going to have uh, a retreat mm -hmm. um, that Coming is going to be coming up. Yeah. In summer 2024. 
Yes. So there's something so magical about getting to work with couples two on two. Yes. Um, It's a whole different realm of experience. It is. And it's such a difficult thing. You know, I know I've worked with men for a very long time here Mm -hmm. and the story that comes up for men, you know, you ask any man um, in, in a relational dynamic, you go, thought about couples counseling. And the, the immediate response is, oh man, you know, run for the hills. That's the pathway to divorce. That's the pathway basically. to divorce. Yeah. You know, they're going to bring up all the things that, you know, it's I'm going to get ganged up on. Mm-hmm. You know, statistically speaking, it's probably going to be a woman. They're going to gang up on me. I'm going to, you know, they're not going to be neutral. Um, and not to say that that's absolutely true, um, but I do know that that's the experience that, that many men have. And to come into a space where they get to be held, um, both by a man who has their back and a woman that has their back and and to have that dynamic where they get to experience each other. It's so much more powerful to do relational work with my partner than it is to do by myself. Yeah. I've coached so many people and we can only get but so far. There's a glass ceiling. Same. There is. Yeah, because you can't you can't force it. And yes, we can do all the individual work with people and it only takes one person to shift a dynamic. Mm-hmm. But there are like more deeply rooted dynamics that are at play that we need both people in the room to be able to connect them together the way that they both want to ultimately. Yeah. And it, it's the most powerful work yeah. that I, I've done in a lot of ways. It's incredible. Yeah, because when we're in relationship, it, it's how I show up in relationship to you mm-hmm. that is actually the work that needs to be done. Not how I'm showing up. Yeah, there's some core work on how I need to show up in order to get there. Yeah. But the real work that needs to be done is how I'm showing up in rela- relationship to you and having somebody outside to look at that, to reflect that back, what's working and what's not working mm-hmm. is so tremendously beneficial. And it's I, I'm just lit up by seeing the success that yeah. our clients have been having. Uh, in getting over, you know, some some massive hurdles. Yeah. And for those, you know, for being able to have a fresh start in relationship, you know, for the the couples that we've worked with (laughs) who are new to their journey uh, together, though no one's ever really new on their journey uh, of relationship. We're all carrying into our new relationship some some challenges. How do we start those fresh? But also when we've been in relationship for a long period of time, you know, we've worn some difficult uh, roads that and some ruts that we're having trouble getting out of. Uh, so being able to support people to finding new ways of connection really lights me up. And to be able to do it with someone as amazing, intelligent, and beautiful as you, uh, man, my days are just like... <laughs> <gasps> and look at you with the words of acknowledgement. <laughs> <laughs> Doing my best. Just winning all around. <laughs> Well, there is more information about how to apply to work with us, uh, two-on-two. We also work with people individually as well. But if you want to come to us as a couple, there will be information in the show notes. Um, And information on the retreat is going to be coming shortly. Yeah, we're really excited. We've got a lot going on. Yes, indeed. Yeah, can't wait to do more of these. So there's no one I'd rather argue with, babe. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It is my great honor to continue to argue with you. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more, one of the most common questions I get is where do I even start doing this work? 
to create deeper connections and better relationships. I've got a free 15 page guide for you called Where Do We Begin? This is the very foundation that you need to start building healthy relationships with others and with yourself. This is my gift to you and multiple people have referred to it as life-changing. <laughs> you can find it over at roomtogrowpodcast.com or check the show notes to go download it and have it sent straight to your inbox. Thanks so much and stay tuned for more episodes weekly.